Hi, this is the Robberator. You can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. But I go, wait, who? I'm Tom Merritt. <laughs> <laughs> Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. And Veronica's back! Yay! Yay! Congratulations! How's thank the you, baby? Thank you. He's great, and thank you for holding down the fort or oh. holding down the pub while I was gone. My pleasure. Uh, we should thank uh, Bria, Mallory, Rod, Rob, Chris, Alex, and Jenny for holding down the fort, too. Oh, goodness. And for scheduling all that. You are a saint. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thanks. No, it was super fun. I mean, I, I, I missed you. Don't even think for a second that I, I did not. Uh, but it was fun. Uh, chatting with all these different people. I, I think we could do that with you here. And it would also yeah. be fun. No, I would love that. I, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that would be a really great idea. Um, I know Rob wants say? to come back. He's like, he's like all into reading sci-fi. Anytime. We converted him. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. All right. See, that's the whole point of the exactly. show. Exactly. Um, I apologize my if my mic sounds weird. I, I've been having tons of technical difficulties. I updated baby, baby the Bigger mic. The baby Ader mic. Baby I updated to, I updated to Big Sur and that was a huge <laughs> mistake on oh, so many levels. Actually, yeah. That'll also everything, eat your mic. Everything audio video related that I've been trying to use for the past like month has just like not worked. This so, is important because I was thinking of updating finally tomorrow. So I'm glad you don't do it. Don't I'm do glad it. You're telling me this. The world of software is not ready. Software, software devices, hardware, not wow, prepared. I think they'd had a few months, but all right. Good to know. Um, so, hey, yeah, I am able to drink now again. Um, so that's fun. So um, while, while you were gone, uh, okay. we loosened up. The, what are we drinking? Because not everybody was necessarily drinking something at the time we were recording uh so it's what is something you've drank with since the last time we recorded basically uh oh, that was like interesting. Just interesting yeah mm. yeah which is why well, i'm not I... actually drinking the thing that's listed here although you are because you're you're still playing by the rules i am i didn't know i didn't know we had a change um i feel like i could have come up with better and with a better answer if I had been given a little time to think about it. Um, <laughs> well, what are you drinking I, right now? I'm drinking a Fort Point KSA. See, that's pretty good. Um, that's pretty good. Yummy beer. Yeah. Um, but we had a major change in the house um, other than the human child, which is that we got a beverage fridge. Oh, nice. Which nice. is the swankiest thing I think that I own. What makes point? it a beverage fridge and not just a very small fridge? Um, well, great question, Tom. Um, <laughs> you fill it with beverages, Tom. <laughs> it's meant for beverages. It has shelves that are beverage size. Size. Okay. All right. All right. It's got, got it. cool LED lights that light up uh, your beverages. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Swanky. Glass, glass, glass door so you can see your beverages. So you can see what beverages are available. That's good. That's yep, always important. Yep. yep. 
Um, so we're, we are well stocked with Waterloo's. We've got some really delicious iced teas, a couple beers. Nice. Um, it's, it's really nice to just feel like I can just go grab it. It doesn't take up space in my regular fridge. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I digress. Mm-hmm. This no, is no, I know what you mean. Boring. Cause we have the top shelf of our regular fridge is entirely beverages. Yeah. Wait. Think of all that space yeah. you could reclaim. Right. Right. If you took up way more space in your kitchen <laughs> with, with, with a beverage whole other section refrigerator meant <laughs> specifically for beverages. Uh, um, sounds like it looks really cool. Thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, well, one of the things that I had on Memorial Day on Monday uh, from a local dessert place is an ube horchata. Wait, an ube horchata? Yeah. So ube? It's, it's horchata. Is- if anyone's familiar, it's like a milky uh, Mexican drink. Uh, usually, usually like fruit flavored, like tamarind or mango or something like that. Uh, and, uh, this one is ube flavored. Ube is the purple yam flavor. Oh, I love ube and I love horchata. So those are two of my favorite things. It's really and good. It's so If good. I ever am able to travel again, I would love to visit that place. Yeah. It's not far. It's actually like just, you know, a couple minutes down the road. So easy to get to. There's, um, uh, Senor Sisig. Um, which is a, a Filipino uh, fast food place in San Francisco. They do ube soft serve. Oh yeah, this is a Filipino dessert place. So ah yeah, ube. There's a, there's a theme there. The ube connection. I know Sisig. Sisig is good. Yeah, they it's have good, they have they have a vegan food truck that oh. has all nice. vegan uh, meats, and they do like burritos. A it's Filipino so vegan food truck. A Filipino. It's it's hmm. it's a Filipino kind of like Mexican hybrid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they do like burritos and quesadillas, yeah. but it's all with like, like, like Filipino ingredients. <laughs> I don't know how traditional it is. I don't, think I don't it's either. Well, all, all I, I'm not Filipino, but my wife is. And so all I know is from her family that the foods are usually like pork skin, beef, yeah. pork, more pork, some beef. Also my, my, my mother, one of my mother-in-laws and my sister-in-law are Filipino. Uh-huh. And also I, I don't know if they would call this traditional, <laughs> but it's so good. Anywho. So I will definitely, definitely be eating some of that. Should we jump into the quick burns? Let's do it. Steven posted that TorCon 2021 is happening, happening, happening on June 10th, June 10th to the 13th, uh, with a bunch of great panels featuring authors that were bomb picks, book of the month picks. Uh, so people you may have read, if you've been reading all the Sword and Laser books, uh, check out the info at Tor.com. We'll have a link directly to the schedule events. First Saturday panel, says Steven, looks like lots of fun. What is what is that first Saturday panel? All, all the, the feels. feels. Oh, Emotion- yeah. Emotional oh. storytelling. Sorry, I'm like talking over you. I have to relearn how to podcast. I have to remember you're here. So yeah, it's fine. Go ahead. All the feels. Emotional storytelling in SFF with Becky Chambers. Kirsten Hall, T.L. Huchu, T.J. Clune, mm. um, who, of course, wrote the the house at the Cerulean Sea, the house, house in the Cerulean, Cerulean Sea, yep. Cerulean sea. Um, Alex Beebe and Lucinda Roy. So that sounds like a good panel. And Mother also on, on Sunday. pronunciation. <laughs> Did I that was amazing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then also on Sunday, Ethereal and Eerie, a glimpse at captivating fall reads with Alex E. Harrow. Ooh, Shauna McGuire, Catherine Valenti, um, Zin E. Rocklin, and Lee Mandelo, and Freya Marsk. 
or Marsky, perhaps. And then Charlie, uh, Jane, to- An- Charlie Jane Anders has her own panel Saturday at, at 7 Eastern. I followed the next morning, well, afternoon Eastern, uh, hmm. the first panel of the day, Space is Gay, with Charlie Jane Anders, Rika Aoki, A.K. Larkwood, Everina Maxwell, and Cam Spara. So, Spara, Spara. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, this looks so. this looks a lot of fun. So is all this available um, virtually? Yeah. It is a virtual convention. Okay, exactly. very cool. Also, did Stephen coin bomb picks? Because, or is that something you've been saying since, is it's that something, something people I've say in said. book clubs? Yeah. I, I knew what it meant, though. So I don't know where I, like I learned it. But yeah, they are kind of bomb. They are bomb. They are the bomb diggity, mm-hmm. as the kids said as, 30 as years ago. people say. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. We've got this other post. Uh, I'm not sure where, who this came from, but it says, being locked in our homes for a year boosted book sales in some countries. Oh, I think in this the is UK. Trike. Sorry about that trick. It's from Trike. No worries. Yeah. Um, in the UK, it was up 7.4%. And in the US, 9.7%. Australia, 7.8%. Germany, down 2.3 and in japan up 4.8 percent what's up germans he goes on to say looks like across the board even in germany children's books and ya novels showed the most significant sales jumps travel books took the biggest hit well you know it's funny i would think travel logs might rise if you can't travel maybe you want to read about it but right um, but maybe people are like you know if i can't go there Forget too it. depressing. Yeah. Too depressing. I I buy books for places I'm about to visit usually. Yeah. So I think that might be. I do that. I, I also do TV shows, TV shows and movies for places I'm about to visit. Um. And yeah, all uh, most of 2020, I I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Me neither. Except for the trip to San Jose that I took before March. Uh, Seth posted that sword and laser author Rebecca Roanhorse has won the reading the West book award for fiction for her novel black sun. The reading the West award is issued for books written about the Western United States or books by authors from those States. Very cool. Congratulations. That's, that's awesome news. All right. And then Terp Kristen says Tor has acquired six Martha Wells books, including three Murderbot stories. There's more Murderbot. Oh my gosh. I cannot I wait. Know. I love it. Um, it's a big deal for Murderbot fans and the largest deal to date for Tor.com Publishing. Executive editor Lee Harris, has uh, editor, has acquired six more books by Martha Wells for the imprint. The first new non-Murderbot book, Witch King, mm. will be published in fall 2022 with the rest following yearly. So that means more Murderbot. Yes! Yay! Um, I mean, also, I'm excited about this other book. Which yeah, I don't yeah. Know anything no, about, we should not will sell Martha Wells short. She she wrote lots of amazing <laughs> no. things before Murderbot too. So you pick those up as well. Uh, Chris totally. pointed out that Apple has picked up Wool uh, for a TV show, <gasps> Hugh Howey's book. Uh, Apple announced it has picked up the option for a series. And usually we're like, well, an option, you know, that doesn't. When Apple picks something up, so far anyway, they make it. So. That's pretty a, good record. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good indication that we're going to get a TV series based on wool. I thought that had been. I mean, the option must have come. I think up we have. I recently. think we've talked about it getting optioned in the past, and it just never made it to the screen. Yeah, they've that's already exciting. brought on that's a producer, uh, a writer, a screenwriter, showrunner. Yeah, 
No, this is this is yeah. going to happen. This thing's happening. It's this happening. thing. How are they going to shoot that underground? I guess special effects. I guess I guess special effects. <laughs> well, also <laughs> because that, yeah. that's a lot of yeah. No, they're actually going to create there. an underground bunker, and <laughs> no. If your pockets are deep enough, lot, who knows? I mean, Apple has cash, so yeah. Yeah. Trike says, IO9's new book roundup, something for everyone here is out. 54 brand new sci-fi and fantasy books to add to your June reading list. Um, this is great because I'm actually caught up on my reading list right now. Um, so I am excited to see what else is out there. What do we have? What are you excited about? Anything well, in particular standing out for you? Honestly, I, I didn't, uh, I am not caught up on my list, so I didn't do a whole lot of scanning of this, but I used to like jump on the IO9, uh, book lists when they would come out regularly and monthly back in the day. Uh, and it, it's kind of been a minute since I saw one. They might have been putting them out and I just was missing it. So I'm glad Trek called our attention to this because these are always full of very good stuff. Not only things from authors you might know, but they're usually pretty good at at spotting, you know, the new author that's got something out that's worth checking out. Uh, among these, the Best of World Sci-Fi, Volume 1, a new uh, anthology, uh, kind of like the Best of Sci-Fi, but focusing outside of the United States. Uh, so authors hailing mm-hmm. from 21 countries, including Silvia Moreno-Garcia, Tade Thompson, and Zen Cho. Nice. Yeah, I'm scrolling through these and honestly not familiar with a ton of these authors, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Which makes uh, me excited. Jan pointed out that in awards news, Tor.com has reported that the African Speculative Fiction Society announced its shortlist here it is. The nominees in the novel category shortlist are The Death of Vivek Oji by Akaweke Emezi, Club Dead by Nikhil Singh, and Soul Searching by Stephen Embleton. Very cool. A lot of tour news. I mean, this is not the tour podcast, but tour doing big stuff as always. Well, then the next one should be from Not Tour. What do you got? All right. Jan says, as we were recently discussing, if the literary category young adult is anything more than a marketing thing, I thought that the following article could be interesting to Sword and Laser fans. In what's what's in in a genre name, the trouble with, quote, Asian fantasy, NPR explores whether the term Asian fantasy is just reductive or, at least at this point in time, still necessary, as well as what could maybe replace the term. Yeah, so uh, this is taking the 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 fact that we have a lot of Asian authors or authors of Asian descent writing stories that are set in Asia or Asian-like uh, settings. Jade City, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, is in Poppy War. Well, mm-hmm. Jade City is, is is in a setting that is very oh, yeah. similar to yep. Asian countries here, but it's not in Asia. Uh, and a lot of Asian authors, Ken Liu, Fonda Lee, R.F. Kuang, uh, among them, uh, don't really love it being called Asian fantasy because they're like, that makes it sound like it's not fantasy or not sci-fi, uh, that that it's something else. And while it's useful, and, and I'm paraphrasing some of the direct quotes in here, it's useful for people looking to diversify authors to say, oh, look, give me some Asian authors. Uh, it It also isn't you know, necessarily something that, that they love being segregated, categorized, uh, away. So I, I think of it as Asian fantasy to me, when, when I first saw this article, before I realized what they were talking about means Asian authors, 
And if it's used that way, I'm fine with it. Like, hey, this is an Asian author. If it's mm-hmm. Asian fantasy as like this story is an Asian version of fantasy, then that starts to feel a little weird. And I get what they're saying in the story. Well, it's kind of like, I I mean, I, I don't feel well, like African futurism, for example, like, is that how, I guess there's there's differences there between how people would describe what what they're calling Asian fantasy versus African futurism, maybe thematically. Mm. Also, there's different there's different themes in play. But yeah, I don't know. I never personally never thought about those being a separate genre from traditional fantasy or or science fiction. Um, so that's that's interesting. Fonda Lee had uh, what I thought was the best quote in this article. Uh, she says, I think the term Asian fantasy makes about as much sense as the term Asian food in that it's useful insofar as it delineates a broad category of things that you could define as being different from the Western normative, but also isn't particularly helpful because it doesn't tell you anything about whether you're eating sushi or samosas. Yeah, totally. That's that's an excellent point. A good way of of kind of describing that. Yeah, yeah. I thought um, that was really well done. Oh, all right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword. <laughs> for Barrier Sword. <laughs> Just playing off that old that old joke. Oh, I've been thinking about our... it every time I say it. So I'm. Do I'm you? Do you there. really? Bear your sword. Our Bear feedback sword. from the audience. All right. Mark says, if you're curious about science fiction and fantasy awards over the years, check out the Science Fiction Awards Plus database with many ways to search for authors and titles of interest. And I just think this is so cool. Like, I love this site. I think it's really fun. Um, It shows like it's a database of, of all the awards and all the years of all the awards. So you can like actually click into the Hugo Awards and go back all the way to 1953 and see the novels that were the winners. The first one, The Demolished Man by Alfred Bester, which we wow. did, which is which was a bomb. It was a bomb. It was a bomb. It, it was bombs too. <laughs> I don't think it bombed at the time. Did Not it at bomb the at the time? No. Not at the time. Oh, it bombed amongst our Some readers. of the readers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think this is a cool resource if you want just a real nice at-a-glance look at some of the winners for not just recent awards, but awards from, from many decades past. Uh, and you can search through authors and see like what other awards they have won, what other years. Um, so it's pretty neat. And that was in response to Trike uh, posting a, an article from Book Riot uh, which is a guide to the fantasy and science fiction awards scene. If you want a little more of an overview of like what's out there, who awards them, you know, what are they known for? Uh, that's that's a good article from Book Riot, and and that's why uh, Mark was like, if you just want to know everybody that won, there's this cool database. And uh, said I had to smile when Tom used about Aperol spritz. I guess mm-hmm. it's a very European drink as it's omnipresent here. Aperol is actually an Italian bitter comparable to Campari, but with less alcohol. It's usually served mixed with sparkling wine and a slice of orange. So this was your drink fun fact of the day. Thank you, Anne. How did you, well, what, why were you, well, first of all, you have you had Aperol spritz? No, but Rob, two episodes ago was uh, drinking a Curious Elixir number four, which had Aperol in it. Uh, And then someone wrote in about Aperol last episode 
I see. So it's a theme. And, and then, so we were getting more, we were getting more, uh, Aperol related, uh, commentary. We are now fully versed in Aperol. Love, Thank you. I heck and love an Aperol spritz. Let me tell you, it's when hot. I went to it's a hot thing these days, this is a bit of a humble brag, but when I went to Rome a few years ago, I, I drank that breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like that was my jam. It's very refreshing. Oh, I know. Got that was. little bitter bitterness from the Campari. Rob was drinking Curious Elixir number four on two episodes ago, and then Lisa responded to that, which we read last episode. I really like Curious Elixir drinks. Number four is like an Aperol spritz, and that's when I was like, "Oh, I I think I'd heard Molly talking about an Aperol. Certainly, spritzes are hot. Uh, I, think, mm-hmm. I think it had come up that way. Um, what is Curious Elixir? Is it are they canned drinks? They are. Was it a subscription thing? I'm going back and clicking oh. through. Um, it's, yeah, it's a, it. it's a subscription thing of booze-free cocktails. Oh, fun. So they give oh, you like really high-quality ingredients, and then you make, uh, you make these, these cocktails like citrus ginseng fizz with basil, stuff like that. Yum. Yeah. Okay. I like this. Shaken, not slurred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Can I add booze to them though? Oh, I mean, that kind of defeats the purpose, but yes, go do, do it. Max yourself out, literally. All right. <laughs> uh, Beth says also, Seattle producer looking for actual sword wielders. I'm a co producer for a film company in Vancouver, Washington. Awesome. We are looking for sword fighters to cast in a film we are working on. I was wondering if you could ask your fans, I found your pa- Facebook page, if anyone in the area is interested in working on this project. More details for those who show interest. And I will put her email in the show notes um, if you have questions or if you're interested. So, thinking she might have been looking for actual swords and not um you know our kind of sword but that's cool i mean i'm sure we we got to know somebody who knows i was gonna say i I think i follow her thought process she's doing a sword search on facebook finds sword and laser sees it's a book club and goes well there's probably a bunch of fantasy readers who also do sword play because it's cool like there might be a crossover there (laughs) you know who uh, would know who neil stevenson Oh, well, yeah. And he lives up in Seattle. Beth, just contact Neil Stevenson. What's the big deal? Also, our friend, um, Frank, Frank Knight. Well, he doesn't, um, I don't think he uses actual sword, but he's a actual Jedi. Mm. So I wonder if he could translate that. I actually knew a woman who did stage sword fighting uh, in Seattle. Her name was So see, we we know more people. Then maybe we give ourselves credit. Wait, is for. this Beth? Is this you? Did you change your last name? That's that cool. Well, that that sounds like I I want to know like what they're shooting. I'm more interested in getting yeah, Beth yeah. on the show to talk about what what a uh, production they're doing with lots of sword fighting. What if it's The Witcher? That's already almost done now. I think it sounds that like they season. need a lot of people too. So it's got to be a battle scene of some sort. See, this is more interesting. This is the, we should follow up with her, be like, uh-huh. tell us a little bit more about the project. Maybe that will help us uh, know, I, find people better. I did put this in the Discord, in our Sword and Laser Discord. Uh, and I think John, it was John Nevitz who who already has said, I don't do it, but I know people who do. And, uh, Perfect. and yeah, put her in, put, put him in touch with her. 
Nice. I, should, I really need to get into the Discord. I'm an embarrassment. Um, all right, let's hop into the book of the month discussion. Um, I selected the book this month, um, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, well, our guests but, have been selecting. Oh, right. You're actually the host. Mm, oh, hurtful. Right. So hurtful. We're, back on, we're back on target. I can start picking books again. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you haven't picked any books, right? No. <laughs> That's funny. Actually, I did pick Murderbot for for Rob because he was like, pick one for me, you know, knock me out. So I he had no, complain. he had no like preferences. No, he he well, he doesn't read sci-fi, so he was like, I want to do the oh. show. He really enjoyed reading the Peter Klein's book when Rod, who co-hosts SMR podcast with him, was on. So he's like, I want to be on myself and and read another book, pick something. Uh, and Murderbot was the right pick because he really loved it. Are people going to be mad at me that I didn't read all the books that you picked while I was away? They are now. They didn't know until you just said that. I read um, House on the Cerulean Sea. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Um, I think that's the only one. Is that really? I mean, I don't think people, in all seriousness, I don't think anybody's going to be mad at you because you had a baby. And even people who haven't had babies understand that they take up a lot of time. So, yeah, you know, that was kind of the point of being off the show is that you, you really did have something to do. You were just, you know, kicking back. Well, to make up for lost time, I've already read the book of the month <laughs> for this month, which is Piranesi by Susanna Clark. Um, I didn't mean to. Um, it just actually went a lot faster than I was expecting it to. Um, so it is. Did you do the the uh, like the the blurb? Yep. Yep. I did, did you did you read that last month? No. Or should you read it now? We had not picked it when we recorded last month. Oh, um, all right. So yeah, we've got a book briefing up on on Patreon. But Susanna Clark, uh, from England, Doctor Strange, uh, and Jonathan and Mr. Norrell. Yeah, Jonathan Strange. Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Sorry. Uh, it's right there in front of me. I don't know why I just didn't read it instead of trying to remember it incorrectly. Uh, is that's what everybody knows her for. Uh, she published short stories from that universe. Uh, and I think she began, <laughs> I just got a typo in my book briefing that I need to fix right now. She did not receive her degree in 1081. Uh, she, is, <laughs> she is not that old. Uh, that's that she is not an immortal. Okay. 1981. She received her degree. Uh, she worked on stories for a long time. Didn't get published until 2004, became a bestseller, won a Hugo, uh, she began working on a sequel of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, but found it too complex and difficult uh, because she was fighting an illness. So she returned to an earlier project, which was Piranesi, which we're reading this month. It takes place in the house, which only contains clouds and birds in the upper halls and sea and fish in the lower halls and statues of things not present in the house in the rest of the halls. Two people live in the house, Piranesi and the other. Mm-hmm. Man, this book is great. I really loved it. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about it, obviously, because of spoilers. Um, but the the fact of the matter is, is I tried to read Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell years ago. I remember you and, talking about that. And yeah. You not, not into it. I lemmed it. I lemmed it. I lemmed it hard. Mm-hmm. And I really, I, I gave it a, a pretty good, like, attempt. Like, mm-hmm. I really, really tried because I had heard such great things. Now I'm tempted to, like, go back to it i'm older more you know mm-hmm. hopefully a little more 
strange? I, I think I read it, but it's a little more strange, a little, a little more, more Norelli. Norelli. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, but honestly, I think my tolerance for, for that kind of fiction is, is probably a little bit higher now. Well, um, it's interesting that you say that because a lot of people's first reactions in the discord anyway, have been, this seems slow to me. It's, it's hard for me. It, like people are like, Oh, when I got to this part, it sped up. When I got to this part, it sped up. Uh, and I think maybe there is something to what you're saying of either age or maturity or experience or changing tastes or whatever, where a lot of people would just not, not want to put one, not, not have the patience for it because it, I I'm like halfway through and I have found it. I keep comparing it to Murakami, uh, one Q eight, four, where it's just, it's just a gorgeous piece of writing. And I'm not thinking about the story as much as I am just soaking in the prose. Yeah, I think um so I listened to the audiobook and I think for me that probably helped mm, a lot. It's maybe. narrated by uh Chuatel Ejiofor, mm-hmm. um, who was just incredible. Your as baby an audiobook fixed your pronunciations. It's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> they like changed the way my brain works. Yes. I mean they say that happens, but it really happens. Don't don't jinx me. <laughs> <laughs> but he does such an incredible job narrating this audiobook and it made it feel like I was listening to a Shakespearean mm. play. He's so um, good. Yeah. Yeah. And he does not do, he's only done like a hand, like two or three audiobooks and so the fact that he did this one is like super cool. Yeah. And um it was really great and it felt short. Um, I, it is I feel fairly like I went, short. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I went through it so quickly. Um, and it is not at all like it really changed. Like the, it, the way it starts is it's so surprising what actually is happening in the story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool too. Like it, it doesn't feel like a traditional, it, it's, it's d- definitely a fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to explain. I, I can't wait to talk about it. Once it's hard to you, explain without read. spoiling. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Without spoiling. E- even yeah. just halfway through, I'm already picking up on some things. I'm like, Hmm. Mm, it feels very unique. It feels yeah. very unique. Yeah, yeah. And I like that a lot. Um, what and so I, I, say, I made a thread before I had the baby. Um, it's like, everything's like before baby, after baby. <laughs> yeah, now it's so, so weird. Um, but I wanted a bunch of, I wanted to listen to audiobooks. I was looking for some good audiobooks, And this one kept being recommended to me over and over. And I think obviously that's why, because then the narration is so incredible and the book is so cool. Um, but I was just, you know, I was kind of like looking for an excuse to pick it up and, and finally read it. Mm-hmm. And we haven't read any Susanna Clark. We never tried to read Jonathan Strange. And so I was like, this feels like a good opportunity to to read that author who I've heard such great things about um, and also listen to this book that is getting such acclaim yeah. um, for the performance so it seemed like a, a good combination of things. And just it's it's different from what we've read recently. Now, Not that I know because I haven't read anything you've read recently. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but you're right. Uh, just despite that, you're you're absolutely right. It, it is quite quite a change of pace uh, from what we had been reading. Uh, Jan in the Discord has a comment, which is a minor spoiler. Mm, 
I don't think it's so. It's a very, I only say that because some people want to be pure about it. So yeah. uh, if, okay. if you want to remain absolutely pure, you might want to stop listening. This is not about the plot. This is not about characters. This is just one little thing. It's revealed very early in, in the story, uh, which is the way years are delineated by the main character. All right. So there, that that's what it's about. If you're like, nope, don't want to know then back out now. Okay. Jan says, I'm still very much at the beginning and the discussion about how to identify years got me thinking, how would you name years in the real world? Aside maybe 2020 (laughs) for obvious reasons, but if, if you had to name years in the year of when such and such happened, what way would you do that? Well, I mean, definitely 2020 for me, I mean, aside from the craziness, was the year the, the human child came out of my vagina. <laughs> would, you, would you want to constantly refer to the, that year that way? Yeah. Repeatedly? I'm very comfortable saying the word vagina, Tom. I think no, you know repeat, that. No, but yeah. repeatedly, that's a bulky phrase. A lot of his years are very bulky too. Yeah. That's where I. That's that's the year where I the fall. albatross came to visit. Or yeah. whatever it was. I'm like that's a pretty long one. I, I'd ra- almost rather say 2020. I'm just. No, I never want to say 2020 again. I think well, I we mean, should definitely okay. be using I'd our much longer. I'd rather say 2021 than uh, the year. I I don't know the year. I the got year a Veronica returned to sword and laser. <laughs> the year Veronica returned to sword and laser. That's Hall. that's that's the title of the show. <laughs> ah, finally, it almost took us to the very end of the show. <laughs> uh, no, but I like, I, I thought that was cool. Um, there is, there is good, good conversation about that in this book. I have a question about that, which is mm. if the thing that happened in that year hasn't happened yet, what is he calling the year until it happens? So the That's year the albatross point. arrived in the, South Hall. I say South Hall because that's Maybe. the Las Vegas Convention Center. I don't think that's right. But uh, before the albatross arrived, what did he call that year? Maybe he doesn't name. They they don't answer that in the story. So I don't think this is. He a just leaves it blank in all of his diaries. Maybe to, yeah, maybe yeah. he leaves it blank until and he has to go back and fill it in. That's that's They're also like, what was the most important thing that happened. I mean, that's what we do with the show titles. We just look at the the show right. notes and we don't name it until the year's the, over. Yep. Yeah. You go back and name all the episodes at the end of the year. <laughs> That's how we do it. That's how we're going to do it from now on, folks. No more titles. Get used to it. Yeah. Well, this was really nice. It was nice to be back. Yes, it's great. Feels good. Feels normal. Good. As a, yeah. Good. As so many other things are in life. This is one more <laughs> that's returning to normality. I went for I, I went for a walk around the neighborhood earlier tonight and I forgot my mask. That was the first time that has happened. Actually, did it. I did it this morning. I was returning my colon test (laughs) because I'm the year Tom got his colon tested. Fifty. Hey, you can be comfortable saying vagina. I could be comfortable saying colon test. There's no need for anyone to be ashamed. No shame. Yeah. Um. I was, (laughs) and you mail it in. Modern technology. No colonoscopy. I'm excited. Anyway, to mail in your whole colon. (laughs) Yeah, it's the whole process. (laughs) <laughs> there's plat anyway uh i was mailing this uh the point is i was mailing something and i i got out of the car to go walk in and drop it off at the ups store and i realized like i was halfway down the block i'm like oh crap i forgot my mask which you still need to go into the ups store <laughs> um uh so yeah i totally the point of that was i i totally know where you're coming from 
yeah, it's hopefully things are getting better. Um, and yeah, happy to be back. Thank you, everyone. And thank you especially to our fabulous patrons. Um, we want to thank all the folks who back our show. If you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Yeah. Uh, and you can also support the show by buying books through our links. If you don't, Veronica will leave again. So go buy some. <laughs> Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. And thank you, by the way, also to all the folks who guest hosted the show while I was gone. Um, I, I feel like I need to thank each of you individually, um, but right now I'll do it as a, as a big group. Um, thanks for thanks for keeping Tom honest, keeping the show going. Somebody had to. <laughs> Giving him a reason. <laughs> um, and yeah, I missed you guys. Happy to be back. If you want to send us an email, you can email us at feedback at swordandlaser.com. The website is swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter. I guess I got to start posting things on the Instagram again. Sorry. <laughs> Someone hasn't done that. I won't and, do. you can, and you can follow us on Goodreads at goodreads.com slash sword and laser. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Adios. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!